Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran, and today is September 26th, 2013. Glad you can join me. We're going to talk about some really valuable topics here, and as you probably know, this show is all about spirituality, meditation, mindfulness, and all those things that we really can't see with our eyes, but we know they're there, we know they're important. We discuss being on a spiritual journey to finding out who we really are. I mean, really, who are you? What are you? Right? I those are the questions I think we're uh, we're all sort of wondering and going after. And uh so we talk about a lot of different topics on this show. Our website is themysticshow.net. themysticshow.net and you can there's all kinds of information there as well as all the past uh, archived shows are there, all of them. And uh, we're also on Twitter at The Mystic Show. And you can also call us here in the studio. You can call me and comment on some of these topics or ask a question or uh, share a story. We'd like to know what your journey has been like. What are some of the difficulties you've faced? And did you overcome them easily? Or are you still facing them? So our phone number, 973-498-8033. 973-498-8033. And we're also, well, I did set up a Skype account. And um, the Skype handle is FractalStream, which... Um, yeah, so the Fractal Stream is the radio station that we're broadcasting on. It's the internet radio station. And we broadcast live every morning, 7 a.m., every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's New York City time. And then that show gets replayed again at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern Time. So, happy to have you here today. We're going to just continue with our amazing book by James Allen, this book that we've been reading from. Actually, before we do that, I just want to read um, the Daily Pause email. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you've gone to uh, pauseyourlife.org and signed up for the Daily Pause email, but it's a great, you know, spiritual, inspirational quote you'll get every morning. And um, it's a good good excuse to pause and, and think about it. So it's pauseyourlife.org. And the quote today is from uh, Mahatma Gandhi. And the quote is, Prayer is the key of the morning and the bolt of the evening. So I'll read that again. Prayer is the key of the morning and the bolt of the evening. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so here we go. Uh, we're on the chapter number six. It's called Sympathy. And we're reading from the book uh, Byways of Blessedness by James Allen, the English mystic. He's obviously one of my favorites because we're always talking about him and uh, reading from his works because they're phenomenal works. He uses such a simple language and plain way of getting ideas across that it's hard to miss what he's saying or what he's trying to get across. So here we go. We'll read from chapter six, Sympathy from Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. Man is shut out from heaven 
and peace and truth only insofar as he shuts out others from his sympathy. Where his sympathy ends, his darkness and torment and turmoil begin. For to shut others out from our love is to shut out ourselves from the blessedness of love and to become cramped in the dark prison of self. Whoever walks a furlong without sympathy walks to his own funeral dressed in a shroud. Only when one's sympathy is unlimited is the eternal light of truth revealed. Only in the love that knows no restriction is the boundless bliss enjoyed. Sympathy is bliss. In it is revealed the highest, purest blessedness. It is divine, for in its reciprocal light, all thought of self is lost, and there remains only the pure joy of oneness with others, the ineffable communion of spiritual identity. Where a man ceases to sympathize, he ceases to live ceases to see and realize and know. One cannot truly sympathize with others until all selfish considerations concerning them are put away. And he who does this and strives to see others as they are, strives to realize their particular sins, temptations, and sorrows, their beliefs, opinions, and prejudices, comes at last to see exactly where they stand in their spiritual evolution, comprehends the arc of their experience, and knows that they cannot, for the present, act otherwise than they do. He sees that their thoughts and acts are prompted by the extent of their knowledge or their lack of knowledge, and that if they act blindly and foolishly, it is because their knowledge and experience are immature, and they can only come to act more wisely by gradual growth into more enlightened states of mind. He also sees that though this growth can be encouraged, helped, and stimulated by the influence of a riper example, by seasonable words and well-timed instruction, it cannot be unnaturally forced. The flowers of love and wisdom must have time to grow and the barren branches of hatred and folly cannot be all cut away at once. Such a man finds the doorway into the inner world of those with whom he comes in contact, and he opens it and enters in and dwells with them in the hidden and sacred sanctuary of their being and he finds nothing to hate, nothing to revile, nothing to condemn in that sacred place, but something to love and tend, and, in his own heart, room only for greater pity, greater patience, greater love. He sees that he is one with them, that they are but another aspect of himself, that their natures are not different from his own, except in modification and degree, 
but are identical with it. If they are acting out certain sinful tendencies, he has but to look within to find the same tendencies in himself, albeit, perhaps, restrained and purified. If they are manifesting certain holy and divine qualities, he finds the same pure spirit within himself, though, perhaps, in a lesser degree of power and development. The sin of one is the sin of all. The virtue of one is the virtue of all. No man can be separate from another. There is no difference of nature, but only difference of condition. If a man thinks he is separated from another by virtue of his superior holiness, he is not so separated, and his darkness and delusion are very great. Humanity is one, and in the holy sanctuary of sympathy, saint and sinner meet and unite. It is said of Jesus that he he took upon himself the sins of the whole world. That is, he identified himself with those sins and did not regard himself as essentially separate from sinners, but as being of a like nature with them. And his realization of his oneness with all men was manifested in his life as profound sympathy with those who, for their deep sins, were avoided and cast off by others. And who is it that is in the greatest need of sympathy? Not the saint, not the enlightened seer, not the perfect man. It is the sinner, the unenlightened man, the imperfect one. And the greater the sin, the greater is the need. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, is the statement of one who comprehended all human needs. The righteous man does not need your sympathy, but the unrighteous. He who, by his wrongdoing, is laying up for himself long periods of suffering and woe, is in need of it. The flagrantly unrighteous man is condemned despised, and avoided by those who are living in a similar condition to himself, though for the time being they may not be subject to his particular form of sin, for that withholding of sympathy and that mutual condemnation which are so rife is the commonest manifestation of that lack of understanding in which all sin takes its rise. While a man is involved in sin, he will condemn others who are likewise involved. And the deeper and greater his sin, the more severe will be his condemnation of others. It is only when a man begins to sorrow for his sin and so to rise above it into the clearer light of purity and understanding, that he ceases from con- conde- condemning others and learns to sympathize with them. But this ceaseless condemnation of each other by those who are involved in the fierce play of the passions must needs be for it one of those modes of operation of the great law which universally 
and eternally obtains, and the unrighteous one who falls under the condemnation of his fellows will the more rapidly reach a higher and nobler condition of heart and life if he humbly accepts the censure of others as the effect of his own sin and resolves henceforward to refrain from all condemnation of others. The truly good and wise man condemns none. Having put away all blind passion and selfishness, he lives in the calm regions of love and peace and understands all modes of sin with their consequent sufferings and sorrows. Enlightened and awakened, freed from all selfish bias, and seeing men as they are, his heart responds in holy sympathy with all. Should any condemn, abuse, or slander him, he throws around them the kindly protection of his sympathy, seeing the ignorance which prompts them to so act and knowing that they alone will suffer for their wrong acts. Learn, by self-conquest and the acquisition of wisdom, to love him whom you now condemn, to sympathize with those who condemn you. Turn your eyes away from their condemnation and search your own heart to find, perchance, some hard, unkind, or wrong thoughts which, when discovered and understood, you will condemn yourself. Okay, we'll take a break right here. Uh, Wow, yes, I don't even know what to say. We'll take a break. We'll take a break. Thank you to Tool. Uh, the song's called. Actually, it's called Ten Thousand Days," uh, and it's part two of a of another long song. They're both very long, actually. Um, so you're listening to the Mystic Show, and our website is themysticshow.net. And there you will find a phone number, which you can use to call us on the phone, 973-498-8033. And um, yeah, so, wow, the chapter on sympathy, right? This is this one's getting really deep. I mean, this is one of those that after we read it, I mean, I guess you could kind of talk about it, but, you know, I think each of us has to sort of ruminate over these different points that James Allen is making and and think, you know, are we condemning anyone? You know, are we giving our sympathy as we should type of thing? So that's kind of like a little self-discovery has to happen there, I think. Anyway, that's the opportunity, right? That's all we're that's all we're really given in life is opportunity. And I guess it's up to us each moment, each day, to avail those opportunities. 
And of course, that's scary, right? Is that scary for you? All right, so let's talk about making space for things. You know, this show, The Mystic Show, is all about each of us being on our own spiritual journey to hopefully achieve the highest goal, the highest spiritual goal available to human beings, which is self-realization or oneness with God or whatever you want to call it. Actually, whatever you call it is fine, but you can't really describe it with words. And I don't think in our human conscious waking state we can even understand what it is. And I don't think that's wrong to say that we can't understand what it is because our mind only goes, I, I mean, our our mind only goes so far. Spirit goes much, much further. In fact, it's infinite, is it not? So our mind can comprehend a lot, but not nearly everything. And when we talk about a really, really high spiritual goal to become a perfect human being or to become saintly or whatever you want to call it, um, we don't, we can't really even comprehend what that is. And of course, that's where meditation comes in because you may not be able to know it as far as consciously understand it, but, um, but you can probably feel it or experience it, right? And that's, that's what meditation is all about. So that's why, in my opinion, a true spiritual practice has to include meditation. Because that's the only way we can help regulate our mind. That's the only way we can start to feel things on the deeper level is if we calm down all the exterior commotion and bring our five senses under control and, and, and be still, that's when we can have a higher awareness. That's the only time. If you think there's another way that we can have a higher awareness without meditation, you should definitely call me. And you should email us and leave a comment on the website and do all that stuff. Because I would, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to find out what your thoughts are on that. So making space for things. So we're on this journey to a goal, yet in our lives, each of us has a lot of stuff. We've packed a lot of stuff into our lives. I mean, first of all, we have our family. We have, uh, we have our possessions. We have our ego which is huge. We have our desires for the future. We have our plans. And we're so full. You know, it's like that story of uh, the spiritual aspirant who went to the spiritual master and he asked to be his disciple. He said, Master, I wish to learn from you. And he continued to tell the master all the stuff that he already studied and learned. And he, he knew this, he knew that, he understood all this, he, he believes in this, and he practices this and this and this. And uh, the master started pouring him some tea, and he kept pouring. And when the cup became full, he kept pouring the tea. And it started to spill onto the lap of the the aspirant and the aspirant jumped up and said, Hey, what are you doing? And the master said, your cup is too full. It can't receive any, anything anymore. So he was basically telling the aspirant, look, you're, you, you think, you know, everything, or you think, you know, a lot, a lot of things. There's no room inside you for, to learn anything new. Or to add anything more. 
So on our journey to becoming divinized human beings, instead of the animal man, we want to become the divine man, right? On that journey, we're going to have to make space. <laughs> we're going to have to take things that are in our life and, and remove them from our lives. And when you remove things, what happens? You actually create a vacuum. And nature, well, it's not that nature doesn't like a vacuum, but nature f just fills a vacuum. So one of my uh, previous personal development mentors, Bob Proctor, he actually told this story of, um, of a couple he was working with. He was coaching with them. And I think he was helping them, you know, earn more money and, and change their life, basically. And I think he was in their home and the woman, the wife, was very... They were sitting in their living room, apparently. And the wife said, you know, I really... I don't like this couch and I really don't like those drapes on on the wind on the big window. So and so Bob said, well, you can, you know, set a goal and uh, you know, earn some money and buy a new couch and buy new drapes. And she said, yeah, that's that's okay. And and then Bob said, you know what's even better if you just get rid of your couch and your drapes. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Get rid of it. He said, get rid of it. Take it out of the house. <laughs> Remove it. And because if you remove your couch, for instance, you're going to need somewhere to sit and you're going to start to figure out, hey, I need a new couch. How am I going to get a new couch? So sure enough, the woman, I, I can't remember if it was both the, the, the couch and the drapes or if it was just the drapes, I think... I think it was the drapes as well because I think they took their drapes down and just got rid of them. They gave it away and they gave the couch away and they didn't have any money to buy any new furniture or anything. And the husband was very upset. The husband was like livid. He was like, you know, because they couldn't even close the drapes. Like the whole neighborhood could see into their house and there was no stopping that. Um. But sure enough, pretty soon, and I can't remember exactly how they got the new couch and the new drapes, but literally within like a week, they had a new couch and new drapes. And, you know, either they came into some money or they, or they you know, maybe they sold something else and got it, or, um, or maybe someone else was selling theirs and they, they picked it up for cheap. Whatever it was, they got it. And the woman, the wife, was so happy. She's like, wow, this is, you know, I really like this furniture now. And the drapes are great. So the point is that if she kept her old couch and the old drapes there, she, she can live with it. There, there's no vacuum. Everything's status quo. But the moment they removed that stuff, there was this big gaping hole that had to be filled and nature will fill it. So this is applicable in our lives, not only on the physical plane, you know, with literally a couch and drapes, but I think this is also applicable on the, on the mental plane or the emotional plane and maybe even the spiritual plane. I mean, we're carrying emotions and we're carrying, you know, like James Allen's talking about, we condemn others, you know, mostly in our thought, but it's still condemnation. And we still have a lot of desires that maybe aren't necessary or they're not even real. And we definitely have a lot of habits that aren't uh, serving us well. And we definitely have our schedules packed to the minute every day. So busy, 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 busy. 
you know, productive, productive, productive. So one thing we can each do is make a little space. I mean, let's talk about your daily schedule, your daily agenda. What if you were to take a half an hour every day and just give it to yourself? Schedule time with yourself, make a space and say, look, for this half an hour, I'm just going to relax or I'm going to write or I'm going to, you know, prioritize things or plan my day or read my goals or meditate, right? Or do your cleaning, (laughs) If you're in Sahaj Marg, you know, if you make a space for that time, nature will fill it. And, you know, it's not easy because, again, it's a habit that you have to sort of retrain yourself on. But creating the space, creating the vacuum is a great way to uh, initiate change. Now, here's the the big uh, asterisk. Uh, When you create the vacuum, you have to be careful of what nature puts in that vacuum. Because there's, there's, it happens very often where someone will quit one bad habit and they'll just start another bad habit. Um, Or they'll make room for something and they'll just fill it with something even worse. So you have to be a little bit vigilant when you're making space that the thing that comes in to occupy the new space is is good and better. Um, and if I think if you're pretty conscious about what what you're doing and why you're doing it, um, I think that it'll, it usually works. Good things will will come in, and of course it always helps to have you know, support along the way, like other people who you can talk to, other people who can give you feedback on what you're doing. Um, That's why mastermind groups are so great. We were just talking about mastermind groups yesterday on uh, the career show that I do. Um, So anyhow, making space. What is it that you can get rid of? What is it that you just need to literally remove from your life and get rid of? Is it something physical? Is it maybe all the old clothing in your closet that's been there for 15 years that you never wear anymore? Maybe you just need to give that away. Make room. Make space. You know, one story from my past is um, when I first started the meditation practice, I um, I owned a lot of CDs. Not a zillion, but I think maybe around 250 or 300. And I had developed this collection over a period of 15 years, maybe more, 15, 20 years. And I remember when I would move from one apartment to another apartment, I would always like protect these CDs like they were like a child or something. Like I would, they would always, they were always in this one case and they would, when I, when I literally was moving, I would put them on the front seat and I would put nothing else on the front seat. It was only those CDs because I didn't want anything to be rest, you know, pressing on them or breaking them or anything. So I very much protected them. And and what happened was I kind of realized after moving like three, four times over, you know, three or four or five years, I realized once I started meditating that, oh my God, I'm totally like attached to these uh, CDs. I mean, they're like, okay, they weren't ruling my life, but I was attached to them. And I wouldn't lend them to anybody because, you know, when you lend stuff, it half the time doesn't come back. And I really love these CDs. I didn't want to lend them to anybody. (laughs) So the funny thing was, too, that I wasn't even really listening to most of them anymore. Literally, there was probably five of them out of the 300. I listened to about five. 
I, no joke. I mean, literally, maybe five, maybe 10, whatever. So what happened one day was I realized that, you know what? This is crazy. I got to cut this off. I got to make a change here. I was feeling a little bit bold. You know, sometimes I can be a little bold, which is good sometimes. So what I did was I said, you know what? I'm going to give all my CDs away. I'm giving them all away. And I, I told each of my brothers, I said, hey, I'm, I'm give, just come, come look at my CDs. Take whatever you want. Literally, just take them. Whatever CDs you like, take them. And I just started giving them away. And I literally gave them all away. And it's funny, the feeling that came over me when they were all given away, it's hard to explain, but I really just felt light, lightness, or like liberated or something. It was like free. You know, I'm free now. Wow. I mean, it was very, it was a very subtle feeling, but, and it's obviously difficult to put into words, but I really felt I really felt like I achieved something, even though I was gave something away. We usually don't think of achieving something in terms of what you give away, but really made a big difference in my life. So making space for things. You can't, you can't put more tea in a cup that's already full of tea. You just can't do it. It won't fit. It overflows. So think about what you can make space for. And maybe you can, uh, maybe you have a story of something where you made space and then received something. All right, we'll take a quick break. Thank you to Anya. The name of that song is called... I I don't even know how to pronounce it. (laughs) She has some really great songs and great titles and very ethereal sounding. It's, It's amazing how she does that. So welcome back to The Mystic Show. Have you seen our website yet? It's called... Well, it's not called. The address is... Uh, themysticshow.net themysticshow.net and it has our phone number there as well if you want to give me a call if you want to contribute to the show and by the way the show you know has a fair amount of listeners and people are really finding this helpful so believe it or not if you have something to share it will be helpful to other people So that's one way you can actually, you know, we all think about, oh, how can I make a difference in the world? How can I help people? Well, part of it is sharing your experience and what, you know, the obstacles that were in your path, maybe you overcame them or tell a story. If you call the show, it can actually help someone. It could literally change someone's life. I mean, that's why I'm doing this show, really, is because it this whole conversation of spirituality and personal development and meditation, it's a great conversation and no one's really having it. And if some people, I mean, it is happening in places, but we should be talking about it more, right? Instead of talking about all the other nonsense in the world, go ahead and fill in the 47,000 blanks by yourself. So, I wanted to just briefly mention Pause Your Life. I I told you in the beginning of today's show that you can get the daily pause email if you go to pauseyourlife.org. 
And they also um, organize retreats and meetups. And um, and there's some really cool blog posts on pauseyourlife.org if you want to check that out. And you could sign up for the, the daily email as well. You know, a retreat, there's no better place than a retreat to sort of, you know, think about your life and what you want to change and what you want to make space for. So I don't know if you've ever gone on a retreat, but they can be very, very effective if they're done right. And if, if you have, you know, an organization or something to facilitate an effective retreat for you. So Pause Your Life is definitely one of those. Pauseyourlife.org is the website. So quickly, I want to read, well, not quickly, I'm really, <laughs> I'm going to read at normal speed, but <laughs> I want to read from um, our the, the other book we're reading from, 365 Dao, Daily Meditations by Deng Ming Dao, right? There's a passage for every day of the year, and it actually, it matters which hemisphere you're in. <laughs> if you're in the northern hemisphere, it's different than the southern hemisphere. And really, um, I, I, well, one reason must be that when it's spring in the northern hemisphere, it's fall in the southern hemisphere. So the whole, it's almost like the flow of life, uh, of nature is, is uh, different in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere. But of course they work together, right? So the whole earth is not having spring at the same time, right? So there's, again, that's another way that nature balances itself. The earth balances itself. So here, this passage for today is called modesty. Have you ever had a knot in your shoelace? You have to bend down to untie it. Difficulties in life confront us all. People respond in their own ways to adversity. Some succumb. Some grow boisterous. Some marshal their determination. Some respond with trickery. All too often, hardship will mow a person down. When confronted with difficulty... Those who follow Tao respond with modesty. They conform to the situation. They bow before it, and they concentrate upon it until they find a solution. They do not apply undue force. Neither do they acquiesce meekly to fate. They examine the situation and carefully undo it. In the same way you bend down to untie a knot in your shoelace, they bend down to find guidance. Even modesty can become an error if we become meek and insecure. Some people become so humble that they become self-defeating. They are talented but their personalities are so split that they cannot achieve their potential. Therefore, there must be limits even on modesty. It works. Like anything else, it must be applied in the right manner. There you go. That was from 365 Dow for today, the passage is called modesty right that's very interesting that the the person who follows Tao, which by the way Tao is like how how would i define Tao? it's like nature or god or it's just the essence or spirit uh the the natural flow of that essence or spirit um if if there's an expert on Taoism listening please call in. <laughs> I'm definitely not an expert, but but literally you could just 
you could probably substitute the word God for Tao or or whatever you you think of God or the higher power, whatever that is, or the universe. Uh, but anyway, it's that it's the just the natural flow of energy, the natural flow of life and creation and evolution. And that's why it says in this passage that those who follow Tao, they don't they don't apply undue force when they're confronted with difficulty. So especially in America here, we're taught that if there's a problem, you need to fix it right now. <laughs> Why are you sitting down? Fix the problem. Right? But and and hey, sometimes you have to do that. Get up and fix it. I mean, if there's a fire, the firemen have to come and put out the fire. They can't sit there and, uh, you know, try to meditate on Tao or anything like that. Um, but they conform to the situation. That's what he says. Um, and they concentrate it. They concentrate upon it until they find a solution. And have you found this in your life that if there's a problem or an issue, if you actually just give yourself some time to think about it and maybe even a few days that you actually get a really more um you you get a more profound understanding of the situation and and you sort of can see your what you're supposed to do is very clear there's really no doubt in hey this is what i have to do i mean have you felt that before in your life I'm pretty sure we all have. Right? And then he also says that modesty shouldn't be taken too far. Right? Everything has a limit. And people who are, you know, even as as, as my spiritual guide teaches that spirituality and materiality, they go together. And you can't really ignore one and just do the other one. So if someone is totally materialistic and they're ignoring spirituality, that's not good. We all know that, right? We all feel that. But in the same way, someone who is so spiritually oriented, if they ignore the material side of life, that's not good either. Because we're here. We're living in a body. We have certain responsibilities. We've started things that need to be finished. And the material world is here. It's a training ground. It's a learning ground for us. So we have to go through it. And that's part of life. That's part of the journey we're on is going through material life. Learning how to handle material life. So, my spiritual guide puts it this way, that it, ha- it should be like a bird flying on two wings. The spiritual wing and the material wing. And both of them are there. You're not neglecting one for the other. Because if a bird only flew with one wing, well, it wouldn't fly, right? It would just fall out of the sky. So that's what happens when we we value spirituality way too much over the physical world or the opposite just value the physical world only and literally ignore spirituality. We know how bad that is. You can just look around on this planet. Most people are living that way. They're they're kind of ignoring spirituality. And in my opinion, even a lot of folks who claim they're on the spiritual path, um, I don't know that they are because a lot of times it's emotional. Like I was just speaking to someone yesterday about uh, going to a medium and you know um, hearing from your deceased relatives, you know, getting messages from the other side, and and um, she told me something very interesting that you know what I said. I asked her, I said, does that help you spiritually? And she said, 
Well, I think it helps to give closure on certain things. And I said, that, that's true. That's good. You know, that's helpful. <laughs> Certainly. Um, but closure is, that's like more of an emotional thing. So the feeling, the feel, emotions, let's say, are on one level, are mental you know, activities on another level. Spirituality is on another level. So it's interesting. I wonder what you think about this, but I'm not sure that everything that people call spirituality is really spirituality. I think we might, you know, like the whole movement in the 1960s with peace and love. I mean, was that spirituality? Um, I don't know. But is, you know, doing a lot of drugs and being peaceful and hugging a lot of people, is, I mean, that alone is not spirituality, but it's good. So, anyhow, what we should balance everything. That's the whole, what this passage is also saying. That we should balance and not go too far one way or too far the other way. My, my good friend... Dan Hollis always says you because because he's a he's a salesperson he's a salesman and he's a a good one and he's a wonderful human being and he always I've heard him say it many many times that you know he he's referring to it in the context of sales but it's true in life and he he also refers to it in the context of life he says you can't you shouldn't get too high in your highs or too low in your lows. So when something really good happens, you can get a little high, but don't get too high. Don't don't go don't get nutty. And if something really bad happens, you can get a little lower, but don't get really 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 low. So the middle way, the balanced path that seems to be the path that we can walk on. We keep our balance and we can be aware of what's going on around us in life and we can act and react in the most appropriate way. Because that's definitely one of the things with all of our habits and with all of our desires and everything. When we Every day we go through life, when we see things happen in front of us, we react certain ways. But if you were free, or let's say, let's talk about it in terms of myself, if I was free of all my desires and my prejudices and my um, um, you know, condemnation of others and, and my lack of sympathy, if I didn't have all that, I would probably react in a different way. And probably a good example is like, well, some of these uh, crimes that happen, people see the crime happening, but they just, they, they're they walking by, but they just run away. They just walk away. They, they don't want to get involved. You know, someone might be getting hurt or someone might be getting attacked and... You just run away because, well, of course you're you're afraid, but um, but you don't want to get involved. You don't want to you don't want to get sued. Is basically what it is. But if you didn't have any fear, if you were just a human being and you saw another fellow human being being attacked, I don't know. I guess you would probably step in or do something. But we're so afraid to put ourselves out there. We're so afraid to get involved. We're so afraid of, oh, that, you know, if I get involved, then I might be involved in this court case for the next five years and people are going to judge me and everything. And it's, it's, it's valid. All those concerns are definitely valid, but I'm just making the point that the way we react to things is based on what's going on inside of our head and our heart. And if we clean up our head and our heart, 
will react to the world with more love and sympathy and helping others when they really need help. It doesn't have to be someone who's attacked. It might be somebody who's um, who's hungry or somebody who's just having a bad day emotionally and just sitting and talking with them for 10 minutes would do them a world of good. You know, sacrificing 10 minutes of your day to just talk with someone and listen. And it's funny because I wanted to talk about listening. Isn't that funny that I just got a segued perfectly into my next topic? Um, so we have a few minutes left. You're listening to The Mystic Show. And the website is themysticshow.net. All the past shows are there. Hey, which was your favorite show so far? I'm curious. Um, so yeah, listening, right? Listening is one of those skills. Well, first, let me ask you, are you a good listener? Do you think you're a good listener? <laughs> what would the people around you say? Would they say that you're a good listener? All right, so listening is obviously very important, and it's sorely lacking in, in um, well, in modern-day New Jersey, for sure. Um, but I'm sure that it's, it's that way all over the world. And li- there, there's an art to listening. I know when I was learning how to be a, a coach, you know, a business coach or, and a life coach, whatever you want to call it, I, I could never stand that term life coach. Ugh. <laughs> but anyway, people throw that term around. Anyway, when I was learning coaching, coaching is all about asking questions. Right? That's the difference between consulting and coaching. A consultant a consultant also asks a lot of questions, but the consultant is an expert and the consultant is going to make recommendations of how to move forward going to give a plan. A coach is not necessarily an expert and is not necessarily going to give a plan to move forward or give any answers. A coach just asks good questions and draws the answers out of the person being coached. Because really inside of each of us, we have all the answers. But we're so clouded over and so confused by so many things and we're not able to relax and think clearly that's when a coach comes in and helps but one of the big things about coaching is listening so we have to listen to people so we're going to run out of time here so we'll have to continue the uh, the conversation about listening we'll maybe continue that tomorrow we have a special guest tomorrow as well Well, have a great day, everyone. Have a great morning, a great evening. Bring some awareness and spontaneity into your life today. Maybe make some space for something, something new, something beautiful. And maybe spend some time with some other people who just need to to talk. Maybe you can call someone on the phone you haven't talked to in a while. And just listen. All right, as always, keep shining.